So I talked about ancient religions. I want to talk some about modern day religions and kind of more so how I've noticed a lot of modern major religions have this sense of um, control kind of attached to them. Maybe more so than it seemed like ancient religions did. And I'm not saying ancient religions didn't. um, Because, I mean, how far is ancient, right? Like, if you look back in the time of Jesus, um, 2,000 some odd years ago, uh, close to like 2,050 years ago or something now, um, when Jesus was probably young around that time, there was, there was definitely control from, you know, you had political control from Romans, you had political, you had religious control from, you know, the Jewish leadership. Um, I think previously I was talking about, you know, how you didn't really have a lot of that control, um, in the Bible early on until until you know about the time of you know in Exodus chapter 20 where Moses gets the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai and starts talking about the Ten Commandments and then starts talking about the rest of the commandments and then Leviticus comes up and there's a whole bunch of commandments there and then you know, after all the, the, um, uh, the beginning of the book of Numbers, which this week, I think, the Torah portion, um, in Jewish culture is starting with the book of Numbers this week as of Saturday sundown, technically, um, that's when that portion started, um, for this year of 2023 um and so you know because I just looked at it and the app in the previous episode um yeah it goes through you know the the book of numbers starts with um a lot of uh census type of details of the different tribes and organizes things out and all the different kind of like laws and just kind of a lot of social related cultural laws of ways to live you know kind of in a way that you know there's some laws of the land basically um but it's basically this Jewish society that had been wandering in the wilderness and getting like from getting out of slavery from a generation or so before to you know now establishing a place um in the new land and um you know trying to kind of set their bearings for like how they're gonna live their lives like they're basically at a fresh start other than what happened in the wilderness you know they're 
at this kind of fresh start where it's like okay they can start somewhere but they already have like a direction from you know the you know from god pretty much um and i think that is where things start to defer the defer um or differ not defer but things start to differ from pagan practices in the land and Judaism because you don't hear about many other religions or like the distinguish uh, any distinguishing between like who are these other people that are interacting with these Jewish people right Um, after they settle in the land like there's a lot of battles and wars and conflict going on um and you know uh yeah there's just a lot of things happening in those books um uh in numbers and deuteronomy and so you know you get basically um, a glimpse at how this tribe goes from being not very organized. I'm not saying that not being organized is is a bad thing. I think actually it's nice to see, you know, how there didn't seem to be an organized religion early in the Bible. And after the Ten Commandments came at Sinai, you start seeing a very organized religion. Um, organized to the T, you know. Um, I mean, you saw a little bit of that organizing with uh, with Noah, um, with the Ark, when God's giving all these dimensions. Um, but really, you don't see a whole lot of detail other than when God, in the beginning of Genesis, is creating, you know, the earth and everything on it and the universe and all that stuff and then you see you know more organization and you know the commandments there's like tons and tons and tons and tons of chapters about what these people need to be doing and so when I start thinking about it because you know I do like to study paganism too but I've mostly been studying paganism from like a, a perspective that's like mostly primarily Norse pagan, uh, you know, kind of like Viking Age tradition, traditions, uh, traditional religion. Um, but there are other people that I guess are considered pagans that maybe weren't ever Vikings. Um, but yeah, like that term pagan, uh, is used about a lot of these ancient European cultures, but then you also see in the Bible, you know, where there's these different people in the land that start, you know, the wording is kind of like, who are like, these people are pagans, you know, like they're not usually called too many other things, uh, you know 
there's not really a whole lot of like detailed information but you kind of see a lot of crossover that a lot of them have these asherah a lot of them have these sacred poles these sacred groves uh these altars you know because you know god is always telling the israelites when they're going into these places smash all their stuff take down all their things like destroy it you know like anything that has to do with another religion you're taking it down and destroying it and it seems like whenever they go in they're destroying a bunch of stuff like a lot of the old testament after the torah uh, after deuteronomy's over um you know you go into joshua and then the book of judges and ruth um you know the samuels um the kings uh, the Chronicles, uh, Ezra, these are prophets like Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, you go into Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, um, then some more prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then the Book of Lamentations, which is very depressing. Uh, more prophets, Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Then you go to the book of Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Like you have a bunch of books. And in a lot of these books, there's a lot of freaking wars. Um... I don't even know how many wars there are in the Old Testament. There's a lot of them. Um, a lot of just battles and gruesome stuff and, like, you know, armies and all this kind of, like, all these stories about, like, these battles and these people just, like, fighting, you know, across history. And, you know, uh, there's people trying to take them over. I think they have a narrative of, well, nobody's taking us over because we were slaves in Egypt and we got to make sure that doesn't happen again we're not getting distracted by these other religions we're not coming into their other religion we're really holding strong to our own culture that's kind of the theme that I kind of sense with a lot of what's going on with these conflicts um but it is kind of interesting that they don't really distinguish like they'll they'll say like oh it was the Hivites or the Canaanites or whatever the group is called you know that was at some kind of like you know uh, um, conflict with with a biblical group um, but I don't know specifically if the Hivites were ever were a problem I don't know that I don't even know if there were Hivites I know there were Hittites were there Hivites as well? I don't even know. I might just be like, I'm, I'm pretty foggy on these types of stories. I don't remember a lot of the details. But um, yeah, I just find it interesting that there's a lot of um, just these uh, common things you just keep hearing over and over, which makes it seem to me like there's these other religions going on that 
you know, have a lot of gods or they might be monotheistic, they might be polytheistic, but they tend to have in common, you know, a practice of having altars, a practice of having some kind of like sacred pillars or something along those lines. Um, maybe some type of ancestral worship with a, with a sacred pillar or altar or maybe some type of, you know, altar to their god or gods um, and different rituals and different um, like artifacts and things that they might use. Um, but it, I don't know, like, is it maybe just me that thinks that they kind of had a simplistic, unorganized other religions that weren't really like ultra controlling of their people? Like in my mind, that's how I kind of sense it is that those other groups might not have, might, I could be so wrong because I haven't studied any of these, but, um, they might not have had a lot of like organization and control it was kind of just like this is how you worship in this culture um and it seems like a lot of ancient religions like i was mentioning before you know they have this kind of like do it yourself kind of vibe it's like yeah like you do your sacrifices and you do your worship and prayers and maybe it's a family thing maybe it's a communal thing maybe it's a you know weekly thing maybe it's a monthly thing like there's a cycle that you might be worshiping with other people maybe there's an actual set congregation I don't really know and I'm interested in looking into these other uh, pagan cultures each one that the Bible mentions you know the Jews the Jews having a conflict with um, I want to look into each of these cultures because the thing is that I find interesting is all these stories lead up to you know it, you know it's basically these people with this organized religion and they're not converting people I don't think along the way they're not like killing to convert they're killing to destroy the other religion like that's not the main point but they're at battles for whatever reasons they're at battles for and in the process they you know destroy you know what people could use as like things to pass down to different generations about their culture um, these things have probably been in people's histories for centuries you know um as far or generations at least you know um because a lot of these religions had like a lot of ancient kind of things going on like for them it was ancient uh, it was modern for them but they had ancient things that maybe were passed down to them sometimes too but i don't know i'd like to know what it looked like what those religions looked like did they have written texts were they, you know, like, what are the, what are the overlaps between them and the other groups? Because the reason why I'm curious about that is because, you know, this pattern continues all the way until, you know, uh, the temple gets destroyed and there's all this kind of, like, extra, you know, problems going on. And you see during the Hanukkah story during the revolt of the Maccabees um, where you know it looks like there was some pagan worship happening against the Jews like something was going on and so it's like I feel like Nero I think it was Nero right who sacrificed the pig on the altar 
in the most holy place in the Jewish temple. I believe that was Nero. I could be wrong on names and history. I'm so foggy on this stuff, but uh, I'm not like up to date on it. And I find it hard to like remember every time I go back, it just doesn't stick anymore. But um, I think it was Nero and I could be wrong. Excuse me if I'm wrong, but look it up. Look it up yourself. Always look it up yourself. Uh, I'm terrible with names and dates and like stuff like that, but I'm trying to like create a visual so you can have stuff to think on and just kind of like ponder on. I'm not trying to like promote my ideas. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm, what I believe about certain stuff. I'm just like, huh, that's interesting. And I want to like look at all the angles, but I'm not really going in it with like, I need to form an opinion. I'm just going in it with like, this is fascinating, you know, and then I kind of stop there, you know, like that's fine for me just to learn something really new. But I do feel like it might be worth my time to look into all these other groups that were conquering, you know, and coming in. Um, Because, you know, Rome had a big influence. Uh, uh, Paganism in Rome had a huge influence on, you know, Judaism at the like at the time before Jesus um, and during the time of the Maccabees and you know Rome was pretty major Um, like before like pre-Christian Rome was a whole different society Um, but they were big and then you know to have the issue you know where you know there was conflict with the with the Jewish people um, getting kind of persecuted and, you know, killed. There was a lot of atrocities that happened, you know, before the revolt of the Maccabees. That whole story is, like, pretty intense. And, um, yeah, like, um, I think the interesting part about that story Uh, one of the more interesting parts even even if it's not the most interesting one of the kind of interesting parts about um that story is that you know they they must have known about the most holy place at the temple they must have known about jewish culture about how they feel about pigs and meat of pigs and that this altar is used to sacrifice unblemished clean holy animals like as a holy sacrifice to God you know and I think I think in Leviticus they talk about the priests or somebody is eating some parts of some of the meat so when it comes to the pig they wouldn't have been able to even sacrifice a pig like you never see anybody in Judaism sacrificing a pig on the altar like that animal is never mentioned to be a sacrifice that would be appropriate um you see ram sheep goats um other like pigeons doves you know you don't see pigs like pigs aren't anywhere on the menu um I think someone I, I was watching some archaeological dark documentary and they were talking about like something about like Jewish settlements and when they kind of do digs 
and they can tell that like oh there's no remains of like pig in this culture you know like they're like people weren't even raising them or anything like there's no pigs um and so um I I just find it a little bit interesting, you know, um, that there's, you know, I guess, I guess the altar gets uh, re-convocated or whatever the name is, um, re-consecrated eventually um, and things get back to normal. Um, or even better for the for the Jews after that revolt but um, it's a pretty complex story and also you know I'm just I'm just curious about paganism um, for no other reason other than that it comes up in the Bible so much and it's something that I feel like is so ignored it's like there's so much talk about pagan things that Jewish people are coming across and even when it comes to the New Testament there's still that conversation going on and so it leads me to wonder you know how widespread was paganism how did it differ in all these how did it differ in all these different countries different yeah it's different countries different regions of the world it seems like people had enough of the same type of stuff that God could just say go to destroy this 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 and this and they all had those categories of like the Asherah you know these sacred poles those sacred groves these you know um, I don't know what, what the specific words are but there's different stuff that God is always saying to destroy um, that you see coming up a lot idols um, gods you know temples things like that I don't know if it's temples but like it seems like I don't know if these other religions were organized were they all the same I don't think they were all the same religion like communicating with each other all around the place of like this is what we believe because we're an organized religion but it seems like there was like a general belief in most lands that you make a sacrifice to whatever god or you pray to whatever god or you have rituals that you perform towards whatever god based on what you need and usually these gods had some kind of control over your well-being your health your the nature you know like storms and nature and stuff like that that would like impact your work your career things like You know, if you worked in a field, if you worked as, you know, raising animals, if you worked as fishing, if you worked in a market and like some kind of sales, you know, you'd have a God to kind of help you with any of these types of situations, you know. Um, And I don't know if there were like monotheistic pagans, maybe there are. I'm assuming that there are. I, I think it would be maybe a minority of of a pagan tradition, but I'm pretty sure 
with the amount of pagan groups that seem to be pretty different from one another, I'm assuming that amongst at least some of those, I would assume there would be people who believed in one God and not like multiple, because uh, the Bible does make it seem like all these groups believed in so many gods and there was never a group that only believed in one God. Um, and um, yeah, so I guess the question is, is, is organized religion a necessity? Is it an, is it a necessity? Um, cause even people who want to look at like Jesus, right? It's like, he was kind of part of like play the system. It seemed like it's like, I'll play the system, but then you can't really call me on it, you know, cause I'm still, you know, within some type of teaching that makes sense within this type of religious system, right? Um, so it seems to me like when it comes to Jesus, he's on earth as a person who somewhere along the line somehow becomes educated about Jewish tradition. And the way he becomes educated is not really explained to us. We're just told that, you know, the teachers in the temple were amazed because of his background. Like, how did he learn all this stuff? Like, how did he know all of this? Um, they were amazed at, at him knowing all these things. And so because he knew all of this stuff, um, you know, he was able to kind of have some uh, ability to converse with these different types of, of scholars of his age, of his day and age, um, as a young person and then as a young man. And you do hear people in the New Testament calling him rabbi, which means he has some kind of a status that I'm pretty sure somebody had to you know, approve that he can be called rabbi. Um, it's not just like any old person, like, it's not like an age thing, like you become 20 years old and now you're a rabbi, like, that's not really how it works. It's like, you have to have done something to be able to be a rabbi. Um, and to not have, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees and all these other people, like, you think they would have come over and been like, He's not a rabbi, don't call him rabbi, you know. Um, they seem to be there trying to catch him because they don't like that he's, like, gaining such a huge following and also kind of teaching people to do something against the main system of Judaism, which seemed to be, you know, corrupt, financially corrupt, maybe even spiritually corrupt into using these like tactics to trick people into doing these spiritual things, um, these practices so much to the point where, you know, they're basically 
charging people more and just doing wrong things. And so, like, that's the theme that you see, you know, where it seems like there's some corruption going on with these Jewish leaders by the time Jesus is on earth. And they're also being, you know, persecuted from multiple sides of the mainstream culture. They're not the mainstream culture. Um, like, the rulers at the time don't like this either. Like, Herod was having issues and, you know, all these types of things. And so, you know, you see Jesus doing things differently than the sages and all these other people um, that were the higher-ups in his in his day and age um, they don't like it um, even um, um you know, there's some politics involved. That's how John the Baptist, unfortunately, got beheaded. Um, that's Jesus' cousin that came before him, and then Jesus comes after him. Um, and I don't know. There's all this. There's all this stuff that's going on. But you know, the Christian. Well, it wasn't Christian back then. It was Judaism. Judaism looks different while Jesus is walking on the earth. He's kind of promoting these different ideas and people are gravitating towards it because it seems more humanistic and not so much like gouging the people, uh, preying on, on them for you know their vulnerabilities um, and demanding so many things of them that you know they're you know, burdened by it, like, he would say, th he said something like, you know, my yoke is easy, um, you know, meaning, like, you know, what you have to follow, you know, isn't going to cause you, like, a, a huge burden, unlike when you look at the mainstream, you know, Jewish culture at that time, I mean, there was so much stuff that they just seemed like they were they were always like, oh, what's going on over there? Oh, John the Baptist is out in the wilderness, like, you know, wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and honey and baptizing people. Like, he already had, you know, somebody uh, with eyes on him that was like, he's doing something that's, you know, not benefiting the main system of these religious leaders. So I think that is when religion starts to become political, is when there's religious leaders who want some kind of gain, and these people are at the top that are kind of dictating the actual practices of a religion. Now, in Christianity, I don't think, at least in modern Christianity, you know, maybe back in the days, like, of like the early Catholic Church I think yeah there was a lot of like monetary exploitation and people having to pay penance for their sins and 
like in money and stuff like that like and people getting ripped off by the church and all this kind of stuff like I don't think you see that too much um not that I can think of um but you start to see other things like um just basically shame tactics I think that's the biggest thing you see in mainstream modern Christianity is like shame and guilt tactics like usually there's going to be somebody that's saying you know if you're not following this and you need to come here on a regular basis so you know what to do because if you start doing it wrong you're going to go to hell and if you don't do it right you know just to avoid going to hell you have to do all this different kind of praying and you know feeling bad and you know about all the stuff that you did um and repent for it and you know confess these things and you'll be forgiven and you'll be less likely to go to hell but you still have to learn and you still have to be a part of the church and participate you can't just live your life and worship usually religious leaders aren't going to say like okay you learned as a youth or you learned early on when you came across this religion and you decided this is for me this is what I feel called to do so I'm going to get baptized into this church and then I'm just going to go home and like follow it and not be a part of the congregation or anything like usually you have like memberships and a congregation and all this kind of organized very organized stuff Whereas, you know, when you look at these ancient religions, like, before the time of Jesus, you know, they make it seem like, I'm talking, like, way back even before that, uh, like, before Exodus, um, you don't really see a lot of organization. Like, you see, like, altars and different types of things like that, but you really don't see a lot of explanation of like what the Jews are actually doing there's just like little snippets of like what they're doing to worship and praying and God's coming to people like God came to Moses in a burning bush and all these kind of things like you know God came to Noah and talked to Noah and told him about how to build the ark and all these things like there's stuff happening but it's like it's not like here's a book and here's what to write in the book and put out this book and talk to people about this book you know there was no book there was no none of that you know until you know I don't know when the Bible was actually written like the Old Testament like it was written over a span of years but it wasn't written you know because there was, there was an oral tradition uh, going on too and so it wasn't really all written down early um, and so I think once it got written down, it was even more, you know, strict, um, and yeah, it's just, it's kind of just confusing. Like it's, you know, cause I don't really know where to go with it. Like it's something that I kind of look at and I'm like is it necessary you know to have all these kind of churches that are organized and you know um 
you sit there, you become a part of it, you know, you become an official member, however that goes, and then, you know, you come and you pay your tithes and your offerings, and that's kind of what keeps the church afloat. So, of course, the church wants more members, you know. I don't think any church wants, like, four or five members. I've been to churches before, for sure, and I've been to ones that had not a lot of people. Um, and I've been to churches that are, like, mega churches where you can easily just walk in and sit anywhere and nobody's going to even know know you unless you start communicating, you know. No one's really going to know who you are. You can just come and go as you please. Uh, so I guess the accountability factor is kind of harder at like a huge church uh, but I think at a small church the hard part can be you know uh, a safe space like if it's a small, a small church and there's one person or two people that are like fighting with each other or like mean to other people if there's one or two people like that it can create a lot of you know stress um if there's just a few people there because it's not like you can just leave and go start hanging out with another group of people you know like if those are the only people in your in your religious group those are the only people you don't have another church we can go to another church i guess but you can't stay at that church comfortably and be a part of the group so um, whatever that looks like, but, um, there's that, there's, um, just, I don't know, I guess something that I, that I've always wondered about is why, You know, why don't most churches kind of emphasize for people to kind of learn on their own? Like, I never, I never really understood the purpose of a traditional sermon. Because um, I feel like, I feel like something I've appreciated more was discussion groups. Like, and I've seen churches do this, and I've been in churches that have, like, a portion of discussion where you're kind of talking about whatever the topic is or whatever the scripture is or whatever you're talking about it like there's a communication about it um in you know in the religion like in the service uh you know there's like a study session with like multiple people and you're not really there to debate either. I like I like that when it's not like supposed to be an argument. Um, but yeah, I saw it too at um, like every so often I'll tune into Central Synagogue on YouTube, and usually it's like a bigger congregation, a bigger church, uh, a bigger synagogue. Um, it looks more traditional and then other times they have like a more casual looking like room that's set up as a synagogue it's just like got chairs and like it's still got the ark for the torah and stuff but it's not like pews and things like that like it's um different uh you know kind of more casual setup 
Um, but yeah, it was that one where they kind of had the casual setup that I can't remember maybe if somebody was running late or if um, they just started it this way, but like they had like kind of a discussion <clears throat> where they would talk about a portion of the scripture and people would like talk about it. Um, they would eat anyone who wanted to speak on it could like say a comment on it about what they think it means or a question that they had or like you know something that kind of came to their mind and you could kind of get all these ideas um, I really liked that I was like wow this is cool you know because there was a way that maybe like my mind would gravitate towards like what you know certain common themes might be that people hear about or learn about and then there would be other people saying stuff that would be like I never thought about that ever you know um, I never thought about that angle I never thought about that approach and I really like that um, not just somebody up there just like giving you all the answers you know what I mean um, just like here's how I say it's interpreted or how God told me to tell you it's interpreted and then okay go study it. it's like well why am I gonna study it if that's what you said to do you know and God's supposed to be speaking through you and you're the one telling us then you know <clears throat> I mean they do often say too in Christian religion you know for people to kind of go back and like prove you know um, but I don't know like to me it's always just been a little bit confusing because we all know that we come up with different perspectives so why would they not be important perspectives to hear um, versus only hearing the pastor's perspective, you know, and that's the only person who's going to talk about what the Bible has to say. Because um, I feel like that's, that's kind of a very Christian way of doing things. Like, I feel like in Judaism, there is a lot more people who speak on the scriptures who come up to you know to the bima and they say like a prayer or like a portion of the torah they'll read it um i don't know how many alias get given out at every service but i want to say it's for every day of the week right isn't there like seven or whatever um portions I don't know, I could be wrong, but I don't know if that only happens at a bar mitzvah or if it happens in every single service where like people come up and read a portion and you know, they just come up and read and that's basically it. And um, um, yeah, and think it's very I just think it's very interesting that there's not like a lot of different perspectives in Christianity commonly uh, being given um, I think there's kind of lost lost value and just not not hearing what other people have to say um, unless they're like fighting on YouTube or something then it's like now you get to hear every like their perspective out of like frustration and anger and things like that but I kind of like to hear people calmly talking about 
their opinions you know that's that to me is very valuable so um i don't know i don't know if we're ever gonna get to a point where you know are people ever gonna consider a lot of these things as obsolete because i am kind of seeing a bit of a shift between like ever since the rona i have seen like a shift in you know an overall theme it seems like maybe a lot of different religious groups and churches and things are having less people coming to to their services just because people are out of the practice of doing it a lot of these services are streamed for free online and then at the same time it's like well if you've kind of like disconnected from the community like for myself when I was going to church on a regular basis you know like I was always studying and it's not like a, a brag kind of thing like it's just I'm a nerd and I like to read stuff so if you give me stuff to read where I have a space that I can talk about it I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna read it because I have a place to actually like think out loud and like discuss it with other people who are like-minded that want to talk about these things like I think when I stopped you know attending church so much and or being involved so so much in church with like actual discussions and things then it kind of lost its appeal you know to study because it's like well why am I studying like it wasn't like I want to be in the discussion to sound good or whatever it was just like I like being a part of like discussing you know complex topics and I like to hear other people's ideas and express mine or kind of just like challenge mine um you know and just kind of sit with it and be like oh wow, that's interesting you know um but yeah I was I was very very often wondering about all these things you know and you know um you know I kind of was getting to thinking just about big big uh big picture you know and started noticing you know there was a point there was a point in Judaism when it looked more like paganism but it was just monotheistic um and then it gets to a point where you know it's an extremely organized religion um and but I guess what I saw different with Christianity is I guess that's kind of where these whole topics came to my mind was when I started realizing what was happening with Christianity um, you know I kind of saw how there was this um, so Christianity is not Judaism right it's separate from Judaism Christianity is not paganism it has a lot of types of pagan like practices and traditions and culture intertwined in it uh, and then it's also evolved from there um, like the first churches that were organized Christian churches don't look like your modern day church like your modern day church is very much so a business 
it's very much so a very organized business nonprofit or whatever you want to call it but it's a business it's got a business model to it you know you need members to have a congregation you can't have a religion and a denomination and a and a church and nobody in it and nobody pastoring it or leading it and you have to have different roles and leadership there's all this different stuff going on you know um uh and it does create you know a political aspect to the church system the religious system of christianity um I mean, I don't really know what I would call it. It's like a religious business model. You don't really have to pay for it. It's technically free. I mean, you're expected to kind of spend your time, your energy, some money, which is like 10% at the very least. Probably more if you're actually giving offerings too. And that can be a lot. I mean, if you're bringing home $3,000 a month, that's about 50 k that means you're getting paid about 50k a year meaning that you're giving about 300 a month minimum because some people say you know you know tithing is before before deductions and some people say it's after deductions and so it's very complex um it's a very complex um, um, issue, and uh, yeah, well, you know, we don't really see a lot of uh, um, like talk about the pagan side of things. Um, we just call it Christianity, like modern Christianity. Um, we don't really talk about the other things or why it doesn't look like anything in the Bible or why biblical Christianity doesn't look like Judaism necessarily. Um, I mean, Jesus' way wasn't looking like Judaism either and so you know there's a lot of this like counterculture you know um, mindset with Christianity I've noticed um, that kind of started with Jesus and ends up just where it is today where you know there is this kind of idea of like a counterculture and I mean I don't really know I don't really know exactly what it is um, but yeah, I guess counterculture is the best way to describe it. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's kind of. it's a little um 
it's something I'm going to have to keep uh, learning about, like, culturally. Kind of like what these other groups were actually doing and what they actually looked like. Uh, who they were, where they were coming from. Because the Bible seems to kind of lump them all in. They're like, oh, they're pagans. It's like, okay. Um, but... Like, I guess pagans get pretty persecuted by the biblical side of things. And I think it's greatly impacted, at least Norse pagan, you know, religion. Because it seems like they don't have a lot of things that survived all this destruction of their artifacts and things that, you know, they can turn to. Um, yeah, because Christianity was definitely coming in. Um, I was watching this, uh, kind of documentary about, you know, Viking history and how, you know, the groups of people were kind of moving, you know, like as far as like how far they spread and where they were moving to and, you know... Um, it seems like once Christianity, you know, started taking hold, um, and getting, you know, it got really involved in complicating the lives of, of pagans, but it, it seems like even before that, the Jews and the pagans weren't really getting along either. So, there's something about this monotheistic culture of, like, you gotta get rid of all these other cultures of people who worship these multiple gods. And I don't know why, I mean, it seems like it's usually God that's saying, don't, you know, like, don't worship other gods, and don't let other people worship other gods either. Um, um, but I don't know, I might start from like the first place that paganism is mentioned in the Bible. I don't know if it's Noah's time. Um, I don't know if it was during Noah's time. Because it sounds like there was something happening during Noah's time where Noah and his people were following one way that it looked like the rest of society were not following that. So, I don't know. But that's kind of the stuff I'm jumping into lately. Um, just some ideas I was thinking on recently. And um, with that, thanks for listening.